We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? <laughs> we're, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. All right, welcome to the Field of 68's After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. I'm here with two former college hoops legends. Randolph Childress and John Henson. I'm not going to tell you how many points they had combined. I think it was over 3,000. Um, I, I had zero. So these two dudes could play. Uh, I'm just going to distribute tonight. Uh, but we got a great show for you tonight. Duke suffered what may have been more than just one loss tonight. We'll also debate whether the refs made the right call at the end of that game. What is wrong with Kansas? Right now, the Jayhawks are losing a nine by nine in Waco to Baylor. Could be their third straight loss. Who was the most fighting. disappointing team in the country? And we've also got a special big-time guest joining us tonight. Remember, we're on SiriusXM's Channel 84. You can also watch us on Twitter and the Field of 68's YouTube channel. If you have any questions, make sure you join the chat. Fire away for any of us, and we'll answer them in the afters while we uh, drink a few adult beverages uh, immediately after we finish at midnight on Sirius. Uh, but let's get to it, guys, because Duke loses the game tonight in Blacksburg. They're now tied for eighth in the ACC. But again, they may have lost far more than just a game. Derek Whitehead, the number two recruit in the country, went down with a lower leg injury, looked like an Achilles less than three minutes in the second half. He was going after a, def a, a deflected pass, came down his left foot. He had missed both the preseason and the first three games with a broken right foot sustained in late August. He was averaging about eight points a game, but had been playing his best basketball lately. Five of his last seven games at double figures. All right. But the big, the big play guys, honestly, might we'll talk about Whitehead because I, I think that's obviously huge here for Duke. But first things first, at the end of the game, MJ Collins makes a shot with 13 seconds left. To put him up to Virginia Tech, 77-75. Uh, Collins turns around, he's celebrating, and he unintentionally hits Kyle Filipowski in the throat. 
All right. I ask you, RC, you've been doing this a long time. You've been watching a lot of games. They did not call it a flagrant one. Should it have been a flagrant one? Yes, it should have been a flagrant one. I, I, I understand that I'm, I'm part of me is glad they didn't call it because you, it, it, you want the play to decide. He had just made MJ Collins had just made a big time play, but let's be clear. That was a flagrant one. When I saw it, I'm like, that's a flagrant one. Like they're going to get a shot, two shots on the ball. And they didn't, you know, when they went to the monitor, I thought for sure it had to be like, I, I don't know how you don't make the call. Right. I, I don't know how you don't make the call, but I, I respect and understand why they didn't, because if I'm if I'm Virginia Tech and had played so well, they were real and they lost a couple of games and, and they they played well enough to win the game. You don't want to see a game decided on that. But by the rules, that's a flagrant one. Bob. That's the Definitely. hard part, John, right, is is I talked to three refs, three mm. of probably the top 20 refs in the game since the game ended. Two of them told me, hey, let it go. Don't yeah. make the call. The other one said, and he made a good point. Here's what here's here's his response to me. And and I'm not gonna again, I'm not saying who any of them were, but one of them said, if you're at a Carolina Hurricanes game with your daughter and a player unintentionally strikes another player in the throat or the face with his stick, it is always a penalty. Even though the player did not mean to hit his opponent with his stick, he is still responsible. So again. Little little different way of, of going about it, but saying, like RC said, listen, by the letter of the law, it, it should have been a flagrant one. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely incidental. Didn't mean to do it. And if you look at the video, he kind of pulled back ever so. He, he kind of caught himself mid kind of fist pump, which I think matters. Um, but under the rule of the law, even though it's a really weird gray area because we don't have a rule saying, well, if it's a fist pump and you accidentally hit him, then you know we're gonna let it go. So under the under the law, it's, it's the ref's discretion. I'm glad he didn't because it would have changed the perception of the game. Um, so I'm glad he didn't call it, but definitely should have been. I think looked at a little more harsher than it was. Well, you can't have it both ways, John. It's got to be one or the other. It's got to yeah, be a flagrant, I, I, or, or you gotta let it go. Yeah, I I I, I don't know what I, I would let it go, but that's why I'm not a ref. And do you officiate? I've always talked to refs about this. Are you officiating the game differently at the yes. end of the game? I know you yes. shouldn't. Yes, they are. But they yes. are. Of course they are. The reason that let's be honest. The reason why if that play had happened in the first half or 10 minutes to go in the game, mm -hmm. it's flagrant one. They know that if you blow the whistle in that moment, they just went up. You give them the free throws and you give Duke the ball. You completely flip the game and the outcome is probably totally different. So I I, I respect them not making the call because that's what flagrant one is. It's not intentional, essentially. Right. Flagrant two, they're tossing you. So flagrant one is the accident. It, you know, when you rip through, we, we all been taught to rip through clear space. It's a natural reaction for a big. You're a big, John. You grab a rebound. You was taught. Throw your elbows out when you rebound. Like, it was just part of it. So you can accidentally hit me, and yep. it's flagrant one. Now, if you swing intentionally, I'm throwing out of it. That's flagrant two. Every flagrant one is an accident. That's just, for the most part, that's just why the rule is the rule. I just hate it. I, no, I don't it like it. I don't like yeah. it. I understand it. But that doesn't mean we have to like it, especially in that situation where, again, he turns around and Filipowski is right there. He has no idea Filipowski's there. He's celebrating. Yeah. He's excited. I get it. Now, here, here's the other part of that. Okay. So, 
if here's the elephant in the room question, <laughs> if it's not John Shire on the sidelines and it is Mike Shushevsky on the sidelines, that call is different. RC, it, it, that call is it, different. If, that Don't jo- if the call is in Cameron, if we're in Cameron, I don't care it, if it's a Cameron or Blacksburg. That's 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 but that's the inexperience. I think Shire should have jumped on him a little more. Maybe got a little angry, aggressive, and say, "Hey, look, yeah. that is the rule." Shire kind of was. Just... I, I, I thought he did when he came over to check on Filipowski. He told the ref, "Go check the monitor." I'm assuming if you see your player grabbing his face, I, very very rarely is there ever a call where a player's hitting the face and goes down. You go take a look at it and, and come back and say it's an accident like that. I I, I don't you know. I'm glad they didn't call it again because it would have flipped the game. But I, I, by the rule, that's the play. That's it's 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 the flagrant one. But again, I'm glad they it's didn't call it. Though, like again, I'm even so getting, bad call. That's, that's a bad call. Should be the flagrant one. Duke Duke's supposed to get his two shots the ball, and that's how that's how it's supposed to be. That's that's how it's supposed to be called. Do you think that's that was that was the right by the ruling is the call? I don't agree yeah. with the timing of it because it yeah. it was just it was seconds left in the game. It flips the game. Yeah. Even yeah. listen, we're we're not sure. Even the refs aren't sure. Yeah, on that. Four, yeah that, that's four, four, how four. difficult yeah. this is because again, it, it's not intentional. It's not intentional. The refs understand that it should be the call, but at a point in time like that, it's a it's a tough one to make. All right, let, let's let's go to another aspect of this game that that's huge for John Shire and Duke. They lose the game, which is no shame. I get it. Virginia Tech's one and seven. They hadn't won in more than a month. But losing in Blacksburg, you guys have both been there. That's a tough, tough place. Tough place. And this is a team that had to win, and they have Hunter Couture back, and he played his ass off tonight. Yeah. So this was a different Virginia Tech team with with Couture back. So you you have Derek Whitehead go down early in the second half, and. Again, we've seen enough of these injuries to know we're not going to play doctor here, but we are going to say, listen, let's hope Derek Whitehead didn't tear his Achilles. Let's pray that he didn't because he's such a significant part of this team. He's played his best basketball lately. And, and to me, this is an injury that's going to be catastrophic for them because they needed him to keep coming. They needed him. Kyle Filipowski can't be the guy because he's a front court guy. You can't give him the ball every time. We saw that at the end of the game. Tyrese Proctor was the one who took the three. How how big of a loss is this, RC, if Whitehead is out for a significant amount of time? I think it's fair to say that if he misses significant amount of time, that this could this could be they could be in danger of missing a tournament. I think his versatility and what he allowed them to be as far as small ball or play big, uh, he's he's one of the few guys they couldn't miss. I thought they had other guys to replace when I mean, Jeremy Roach went down. Proctor was able to fill in the role for him. I just don't think that's the case with, uh, with, with Derek Whitehead. I don't know if they can replace him. I really don't. He he he, and and then on top of him, he, he's he hits so many timely shots for them, and it's always kind of like when things are getting bad, he kind of has the kahunas to take that big three or that that good that big shot for them to to kind of stabilize them. Um, and you know, with the injury, um, you know, it, it didn't look like your typical maybe Achilles injury that we've seen, so maybe it's just a strain or something like that. 
Um, but yeah, they, they need him really bad. He was coming along. Um, they're not a very deep team. And then also, you know, f- as far as his future prospects, man, if that is an Achilles or something serious, man, like, you know, you hate to see that because this kid is, I mean, he's probably a mid to late, maybe early first rounder. Um, so that's, that's fam, that's, that's feeding your family. So I, I hope he's okay. Um, you know, that, that kind of, you know, brings up the discussion too, man. The one and done guys that are guys over the left, like, man, like he, he could have potentially derailed his future income by coming to Duke and knowing he's going to be a one and done and, and get out of there. So I just hope he's okay. Um, for him and the team for himself personally and his, and, and, and Duke. So we'll see. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing. We're seeing it a little bit with Nick Smith now at Arkansas, right? Will he come back? You know, I, I've been told if he gets to 100%, he wants to come back. But again, you got agents now dealing with these kids. It's different than when you guys were playing. You were making the decision with what? The coach. The and coach the is the one who really you're listening to yeah. when you guys play. These kids are listening to coach to me secondary. They're listening to the agents first because – they're allowed to have agents. They're in their ear. They're telling them to protect their draft stock. And and Whitehead was hurt in the preseason. He hurt his other foot. So now it's, are you going to risk it if, mm-hmm. if it's an Achilles injury or whatever it is coming back and further um, hurting your draft stock? Well, also, Jeff, that rookie scale is a little higher these days. Now, when I was coming in, what I made at the 14th pick, I think the I think the 24th, Third for 24th pick makes that now. So, which is pretty good money. I mean, the number one pick is making $11 million a year. So it's it's a whole different ball game with income as well. Your top five picks, if you don't play another, if you stay three or four years, you potentially, that's life-changing money regardless. So it's a lot more to handle, a lot more to deal with. Like Nick Smith, he's he's going to be a top five potential pick. Like, what do you do if Arkansas's not in it? You know, people probably. Oh, I'm gonna tell you what he's doing because if he's my son, he ain't playing. He ain't playing no more. Like, let's yeah. call it what it is. Let, yeah. Let's let's let, let me just say that. I mean, I, I hate yeah. to say it. Um, I, I'm shocked that more kids don't do it in some aspect. Like, I appreciate it, but once you get that scare, football is a sport that I think that kids do it all the time. And I'm sitting oh, yeah. there going, like, yeah. they're talking about expanding football. Just to use this as an example, I you can talk all the crap you want when those guys are locked in. That you add these games, they're gonna be playing NFL seasons by the time they finish. We add these games on, and you want me to play for what? And I'm locked in. Tell that yep. to the receiver for, for the uh, the Alabama's receivers last year that both of them tore ACLs mm-hmm. and basically didn't play much their rookie year. I, I don't, Nick. I, I, it, again, I I'm a fan. I think he's a hell of a player. I think it's fair to say we all agree he's a top six pick, top five pick in the draft. Why? If that's your son, that's either one of our sons. We're okay. telling him you're right. done. You're that's done. just the, mm-hmm. that's just the best way about it. As a as a parent, you're like, oh, anybody loved one, hey man, you're done. You've done enough. He's not playing himself into the first round. He, he he's done enough where you can be like, hey, I, I know what this kid can do. It's enough for me to say I've he's he passed the look test. Get healthy and let's go up here and figure it out at the next level. All right, one guy who isn't done is coming with us after this break. It's a surprise guest. <laughs> Benson and RC have no idea who's coming on, but trust me, you're going to want to stick with us after the break. Feel the 68s after dark. You're clear. That was pretty good. good. I'm okay at the teasers. All right, here's our guest. Remember, 
We're on the YouTube chat right away. My guy! There he is. I think Hanson knew who it was. Mondo? <laughs> Mondo, you got to turn on your... Uh, well, once you get on, you got to turn on your... And we'll, we'll, we'll talk for a minute here while we, uh, while we get going. Baylor up six. 22 seconds 20, about to be over. 23 seconds left here in this game is what I got. Hey, Kansas put up – hey, Kansas does not go away, though. They're going to play I, I'll hard. I'll give them man. that. They're going to yeah, play they, hard. They're going to keep coming now. My dog. <laughs> My God, was good. Turn your phone if you can. I don't know if you can. I got to show you. Does that work? Perfect. Perfect. That way we get to see your pretty face a little better. There you go. You're live on the YouTube chat for now. We got about a minute and then we'll come seconds. back from break. But, right, what do we got? How long? Uh, 25 seconds now. 25 seconds. So, uh, say hello to these guys and uh, and we'll get to it in about 20 seconds and go for about 15 if you're cool with that. Yes, sir. That'll work. That good? I'm trying to get to the uh, game tomorrow. I'm in New York, but I finish at like five or six. So we'll 10 see. seconds. Try to get up. I'm, I'm, I might come to New York this weekend, so I'm going to hit you. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. All right, welcome back. Field of 68 after dark. I'm Jeff Goodman, joined by Randolph Childress and John Henson. And we now bring in the 69th all-time leader on North Carolina's steals list. Armando Baker. <laughs> all right, hey, all right. I, I know I'm burying the lead here. The all-time <laughs> leading impressive. rebounder in North Carolina history, Armando Baker. Congrats, my man. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's big time. I mean, that's Dude. big time. Uh, I, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, Henson had 886 rebounds in his career, but he only played 109 games. You, you, it took you 119, but you, you passed Tyler Hansbrough. <laughs> now, I, here's my thing. I know I saw this that you played Psycho T in a pickup game before, either before you got there or right when you got to Chapel Hill, and it did not end well. Take us through what <laughs> happened in that, in that pickup game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I really didn't read the room or really watch a lot of his highlights. I thought I knew a lot about him, and you know. I tried to be a little physical with him and kind of get in his grill and stuff. And I quickly realized, like, that was not a smart idea. What happened? Where'd you end up? Well, I mean, it was just real physical. And I ended up in the hospital. And then, like, I'm hearing he said he don't even remember that, which is even more crazy. Like, how does he not remember me putting me in the hospital? Because he's Psycho put a lot of people in the hospital, Mondo. <laughs> exactly. Like, that Those was Those elbows, they're sharp. Yeah, no, for sure. I learned my lesson. But I also took something from that, though. What did you take from it? Try to do it myself. It worked. It made people back off. There you go. Go ahead, you know, John. I was saying you got to stay physical. Those, like you said, the summer pickup games that obviously you played and I played in, those are kind of like sparring sessions, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you get to go against the pros. You get to go against the older guys and, and see how you stack up. And it's always competitive. Um you know, with the former players and the pros and the other guys like that. So that was probably one of the best things that could happen for him early just to go against that physicality. Look, bro, if you go in chest to chest with T hands, I promise you anybody in college basketball is not a problem. 
So exactly, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it was Big like one fella. of those things. Big fella, you guys are sitting right now. You're sitting six and three. We know Clemson's one. You know, two games clear. Virginia's one game ahead of you guys. Have you now? The focus has come to you. It's playing through you. I think RJ has picked it up. Well, you know, you got guys back. You're healthy now. Your team's healthy now. Did you see you guys repeating last year's performance as far as just this thing taking off? Well, I mean, that's the goal. That's what I would hope. I mean, I think we kind of like at that same point as we were last year. But I think now we kind of have some like hindsight on what to do and what not to do versus last year. We were just kind of freestyling and just seeing where it would take us. I mean, I think now we're taking a lot of good strides. I just think now really we just can't take a deep breath because still a lot of basketball left to play. And I mean, you're saying it every day in college basketball, like any team can be beat and it's so wide open this year. So really I think just with us and I mean, even all teams, you look at Duke losing it today to Virginia Tech, you just got to just keep getting better and better and just not taking a deep breath versus anybody. Question. This is what I want to know. Cause I haven't had Hubert. So what are some differences as far as like, you know, coach Davis and coach Williams, as far as, Maybe in like, you know, the halftime speech where you guys aren't playing well. Um, and, and what are what are kind of some of the differences in coaching styles um that that you think you know that you kind of can see with those two? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say on the court, really, like the halftime speeches for both of them is still like real fiery and yeah. they definitely get out there. It's just obviously Coach Davis, he doesn't curse, so that's one of the big differences. But uh x's and o's i mean you see we do a lot of more like four on one in which is a lot different from how y'all played and we like the ice the screens versus hedge and that's the main thing off the court is where you see a lot of differences we don't gotta wear them big suits you know those oversized <laughs> those suits hey yo i had one suit come on in college i had one suit when i yeah, got done man. with school the whole <laughs> inside of the suit was dirty it was nasty so that's that's exactly you know how terrible those suits is so that's one big thing and then also too like before practice we playing loud music like we listening to our music and warm-ups and stuff like that getting ready for practice so he kind of added like a little bit of flair to stuff a little bit more excitement i guess hey mondo's got more than one suit because of nil now all right he's got a whole closet (laughs) shoes shoes he got the whole bag what what's been the best part of 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 NIL and how has it positively affected you and how has it maybe negatively affected you in a way? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say some of the positives obviously is just the amount of money that you're able to make. I mean, that's just me being completely honest, but also to just the uh, philanthropic part of it, just being able to give back to different organizations and being in that position earlier than I would have expected to be able to just impact lives and, through just the different organizations I've worked with. That's been a great part about it. And I mean, I guess some of the negatives have been just like how you just see how college basketball is. I mean, North Carolina isn't one of the schools to where like they have the NIO packages and stuff like that, but you see it with schools, like that's something that they're offering to people. So I think that has just made college basketball so crazy. And I mean, I honestly, I think that's why you see a lot of different upsets and things like that, just all in college basketball, because you got all these guys transferring and you really don't know how they may fit in this different system. And, I mean, like you look at the rankings from early on in the season, a lot of teams that nobody even knew was going to be good ended up being good because 
some guy got out of this system and went to a different system and ended up being great. And there's so many different transfers and you don't really know who's good and who's not until the season really gets going. Are you going to really get up here and say North Carolina don't have no NIO money or they're not giving it up? <laughs> like, come, are we really going to sit here? With both of you guys? Hey, Armando, look, I, I don't I even want you, you to. That's a fact, man. They just had the banquet. Hey, getting it together. Hey, Armando, Armando, I will I will ask you this, Armando. Serious question. Who's going to help you at the end of the year make a decision? Because you got a serious decision to make about whether you're going to come back to school or yeah. NIO opportunities. Yeah. So whether you decide, I, I'm not asking you to announce that or make that decision now, mm-hmm. but who would be a part of your inner circle that'll say, you know what, we can come back. Or it is, and I'm not even saying Carolina, you can go anywhere. Somebody could just say, hey, Armando, yeah. come play for us. I got three mil for you or two mil for you, whatever. Are Who's going to help you make Because that's a serious co- conversation, depending on where you're drafted, you know, where it is. And then, then somebody's coming back and offering you significant amount of money. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely probably just say my mom and dad just really seeing does it make sense for me to leave and not really just weighing out all those options. That would be really the main thing for me. Is there a chance? Are you saying there's a chance? Uh, I doubt it, but you just <laughs> never know. But I really do doubt it. But you never know. I, I love you, Mondo. Because don't let Jeff set you up, Mondo. Look at don't let Jeff look at. <laughs> Listen, come on, man. Not, but no, it's, that's a fair year. question, though. Because seriously, no, nah, like, I mean, it's like, a fair question. Because because like, he knows all seriousness aside, all jokes and aside. If I come to you next year and say, "Hey, come to my school," and I'm offering you three million dollars, you got to take me seriously. Like that's not something you can just <laughs> leap of faith and be like, "Oh man, I'm a, I'm gonna put my name in the draft and just see where it goes." You got to say. You know what? I can do that again next year. Let me go get this dub dub again. Let me go get this 20 and 15 again and this two to three mil. I mean, that's just fair. That's what I would tell you if you was mine. I can't imagine anybody yeah. else telling you anything different. I mean, yeah, that's definitely fair to say. I wouldn't okay. deny that. All right. I, I love Mondo. I said this to him last year during the final <laughs> four. There's nobody more honest than Armando and he's been I mean listen when when I got up and took the microphone last year at the final four the look he gave me because I called him soft at the beginning of the year and he was waiting and and he did it in the the classiest way you could possibly do it where he was looking at me smiling and being like yeah yeah I was waiting for you I was man it was it was something out of a movie man I promise you it was like (laughs) as soon as you said it I swear it was like one of those things where I'm like one day I'm gonna see him at the final four, and then like this will happen. And it actually happened. That's the crazy part about it. Like Hubert and then really I saw you know, that, there. Hey, Hubert really played that clip of me saying you guys were soft. A hundred percent. Like it was no pregame speech. It was just that video. So I mean, like I told you before, we definitely got to tip our hats off for you. I don't know. Shout out, Jeff. You probably hey, you probably oh called me. God. You probably called me a lot of names. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. But I mean. At the time, you probably were right. And, I mean, you kept it 100. You didn't beat around the bush. And there was honesty behind it. And I definitely respected that. Now, you How's guys were health? hard to watch. You were hard to watch early in the season. And then you became so much fun to watch, Mondo. But I thought you reverted back somewhat this year in Portland. I felt like you guys mm-hmm. were not having the same level of, of fun. And chemistry wasn't what it was when you when you picked, you know, when you picked up this year. And a lot of people say, well, Pete Nansen for Brady Manick. But I thought there was more to it than that. Do you feel like that was a part looking back on it now earlier this season that maybe you guys just weren't clicking uh, like you, you you were last year, having as much fun? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely just weren't clicking. I mean, I was not playing my best brand of basketball, and that was a huge thing for us, and we weren't hitting shots. And, I mean, you look back at it, I think it was two games against, like, Alabama and Iowa State, and they both two top 15 teams right now. I mean, we played them close, and we weren't even really playing our best brand of basketball. So, I mean, it was some encouraging things that we took away from that, but it also was a reality check for us, too, I would think. How's Question about the go, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm feeling better. Um, ankle getting a lot better, shoulder getting better, so definitely trending up, which is good. Question about the travel earlier in the season because I was always curious because I feel like a college team are traveling a lot more than we used to, like going out mm-hmm. west. Was that kind of a factor? Do y'all traveling, getting in late, and 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 having to kind of deal with that more so than you had in your career, maybe early on? Yeah, well, I mean, Portland definitely was a different experience because we were out there so long. And, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't, like, too much to do in Portland. It was definitely, like, It ain't nothing to do in Portland. It ain't too much. It's nothing to do. Yeah, it's definitely a different area. It was was a little tough out there. I ain't going to lie. No, I'm with you. There were, like, tents on every corner. It was sad. It was almost, honestly, Mm -hmm. a little bit of of a – sad sight to look around in Portland and see what that city had become after the pandemic. It it wasn't, Mm -hmm. honestly, it was tough, tough to watch. All right. So, Hey, February 4th, I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, (laughs) I'm leaving Charleston and I did it on February 4th. All right. So I've been here for six weeks and I extended it till February 4th. So I could drive up and catch Mm -hmm. that Carolina Duke game of Cameron that I saw last year. That was the game that changed your season. Yeah, I remember seeing you there, too. What's that? I said, I remember seeing you there, too. I didn't even go in your locker room after the game because, honestly, <laughs> it was more about Duke. It was it was a tough decision to make, Mondo, because it was like, obviously, you guys had gotten the win, but Kay had lost mm-hmm. in his final home game. That was more of the story that day. You guys 100%. started to become the story that day. How much do you – look at Henson. Henson's loving this. Loving it. You made his night, by the way. Made his night. Yeah, hey, he was gassing yeah. it up. I'm like, this better be – I mean, this is better than I could have – hey, Jeff, you did that. You did, I did that. it. I, did, I delivered. I delivered. <laughs> don't I? But but how, how much will this February 4th game, again, even though maybe you guys aren't what people thought you'd be at this point mm-hmm. in the year, Duke isn't what we thought they'd be at this point of the year, what will the significance be of this game this year? Oh, it'll be huge. It'll be, I would think, one of the biggest games in the rivalry just because it's the new episode of it. You got, uh, well, a new season, I would rather say, because you got, obviously, Coach Shire, first-year head coach, and then Coach Davis going into his second year, and you go away from that Coach Williams and Coach K thing. So it's kind of like, I guess, the new look and how the new rivalry of it will look. So it'll definitely be a high-impact game. And, I mean, I know when we go in there, it's going to be a crazy environment just based upon how last year went for sure. Great point. All right, listen, we, we appreciate you jumping on from your hotel room in Syracuse. Uh, don't go outside. It's probably snowing out there. It's probably – Oh, it's snowing. It was terrible. Yeah, terrible. you're not tough enough anymore to deal with that weather. Exactly. <laughs> terrible, man. All right, listen – uh, thanks again, my man. I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the Duke uh, Carolina game in Durham, and uh, say say goodbye to your boy here, Henson. Appreciate you, hey, my thanks God. Thanks for coming, man. Good luck tomorrow. No problem. Appreciate y'all. Stay healthy, man. All right.
There he is, gotcha. Ramonde Baycott, North Carolina star, the all-time leading rebounder, joining us here on After Dark. We'll come back, and we'll tell you why Bill Self is one loss away from setting history and not good history at Kansas. You're clear. Minute 30. All right, that was good, right, boys? Mondo, uh, Mondo. He's awesome. He, he really he is. is. He's yep. one, he is of, one of the best. I, I mean, honestly, it's refreshing to hear somebody that honest because yeah. a lot of kids are worried about being too cool. And I like last year, it was just so great at the Final Four. We hadn't had a personality like that in a while. And, and the last ones I could remember, guys, were Big Baby. And Joakim Noah. And they were a little bit more out there than, than Mondo is. Yeah. But Mondo I, is awesome. I like a Mondo that way because they try to script the control the narrative with a lot of those kids and kind of give them like, here, here, just say this. Take the company line yep. and, mm-hmm. and say that. And he he's not aware. You know, and I didn't, you know, he answered the question about the NIL thing without really even, you know, and I wanted to preference it in a way to say, like, I don't want to put your business out there. But... And he's like, hey, I got to pay some attention to it. I'm not leaning toward it, but I, and I respect that because I, you know, I, I don't want to put that out there. But again, it might make him some more money. You may have to call down there, John, and tell them, tell Carolina they got pony up. Man, well, imagine, like you said, twenty you made seconds. A great point. Three million dollars. If somebody Figure offers Baycott three million, let's say Georgetown. We 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 all know Patrick Ewing's done at Georgetown at the end of the year. Ten seconds. Yeah. Who, who knows what they, the new coach could do and, and potentially throw a boatload at him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back. Field of 68. After dark, Jeff Goodman here with Randolph Childress, here with John Henson. We're on channel 84 on Sirius. Make sure you watch us all on uh, on YouTube as well as Twitter. And uh, after the show, we'll be on the afters, which is where you can basically ask us anything you want. Anything you want. We'll, we'll, we'll have our toasts. We'll have some fun. We'll loosen up. So after the show, make sure you, you jump on that YouTube chat and ask us whatever you want. All right, Kansas, guys, just lost in Waco. It was their third consecutive loss. Bill Self has lost three times in his Kansas career. Um, 
three in a row, just three times in his career. 2005 at Texas Tech, Iowa State at Oklahoma. 2013, Oklahoma State at TCU at Oklahoma. 2021, at Oklahoma State at Baylor at Oklahoma. All three of them finished with at Oklahoma. This one finishes with in Waco. And they hung around tonight. But ultimately, again, their, their defense has not been great. And now, guys, how about this? Their next game, they go to Rupp and play a Kentucky team that kind of is finding its way. Bill Self could end up losing if he loses that game four straight for the first time in his career in Lawrence. How worried are you, RC, about this Kansas team right now that I had number one a week and a half ago? I'm worried because it's not just that we're stopping at the Kentucky game, John. I mean, you know, guys, it's Kentucky, it's Kansas State, it's Iowa State and Texas. That's their next four games. No one in the country is going 4-0 on that stretch. Right. Like no one. So of those four teams, like tell me where they're going to – you see an easy a win. I mean, you 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 got to assume they're going to try to get the win at home. I think the more disturbing thing is it's not as much as their, their defense that concerns me as much, Jeff, as offensively. I, I think they go through lulls of not scoring, and I don't care who you are. That puts so much pressure – on your defense. And we talked about this the other day, and I'm a huge, huge fan of DeWan Harris. I am. The first play of the game tonight, he drives down the lane. And if you go back and watch it, he has a clear point blank layup and he turns it down and tries to pass it. And it's a turnover and it goes the other way. I I just think that he, he doesn't score enough. I think he's so pass oriented that he's self-checking himself. He's just not making teams have to guard him. So you're literally talking about a team that puts, if Grady Dick isn't making shots, Jalen Wilson is player of the year candidate right now the way he's playing. But outside of those guys, where is the offense coming from? So I'm not saying he has to score alone, but he's got to be a threat to make it easier for everybody else. And, and they're just – I think their offense is more of the problem than their defensive effort. And so what, yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's both ends. I honestly think it's yeah. both ends. I'm with you. I thought it was offense early. The last few games, I think it's probably been – as much defense as offense. And that scares me that normally you'd say it's one or the other. Now I think it's kind of become both John and that scares the hell out of me, even though they might have the best coach in the country. Yeah. RC made a good point. When your offense is struggling, there's a lot of pressure on the defense. And, and I think Kansas is too top heavy. I watched that Kansas, Kansas state game from start to finish. If Bill Self doesn't call a timeout, Kansas is up four with 11 seconds left. So, like, you know, that was kind of a blunder on their end. Then two guys file out, and they got to bring in the bench guys. Throw it, they dump it down to the big. He loses it. Turnover. The final play of the game, the big doesn't come the, the uh, off the bench. The freshman kid doesn't come to the ball, gets it stolen. So, like, it, they've had some blunders that kind of you scratch your head about being a top-ranked team. You know, you can't do. I mean, you're on the road. You can't do those things. And even today, I mean, like Grady Dick and Jay, if those guys aren't cooking, it's 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 trouble. And, and Baylor jumped on them early and Kansas fought back, but they need like a third or they need someone to consistently just they need be a there. third. They need, they need a, a third. pressure valve, man. They don't have that. Like I'm I'm when I watch the offense, I'm like, sometimes Jalen Wilson has to shoot that contested three because it's probably the best shot they're gonna get. And so it's tough to win at a high level like that. And the schedule mm-hmm. they have coming up, I mean, it could get spooky. I mean. They could lose three or four of those if they don't. You got no bench. 
You got zero zero bench. production today from the bench. Zero, zero. zero production. They got I mean, two points. Two points. They right scored two points. They better hit that portal. Come on, man. The portal wide <laughs> I mean, open. Man. Come on, Bill. Like Bobby Pettiford was supposed to give him something this year, and right. he can't really shoot. MJ Rice isn't ready. They're bigs. You know, Zach Clements came in at that Kansas State game, and he was just overwhelmed a little bit. He can score, but he can't guard. Then you got yep. the other bigs that can guard, but they can't score. KJ mm -hmm. Adams, to me, he's been about as good as you can ask, but he's not going to give you much offensively. As you said, Dewan Harris isn't going to give you much offensively. McCuller, certain nights can give you 12 or 14, but he's more about defense and yes. just kind of filling the stat sheet with everything but scoring. So you legitimately have two dudes that can score, and one of them is a freshman that if he doesn't do it, it's all on Jalen. Can't be all on Jalen Wilson, and it, ha it has been lately. They've got to figure that out somehow. I don't know what you do if you're Bill Self at this point because you can't afford to tinker, can you? I mean, you can't throw in these freshmen at this point in the year because you got to stop the bleeding now. Got to defend. If you if you're struggling yeah. and you have top heavy, you're top heavy offensively. You've got to you've got to you've got to defend. You've got to muck muck the game up a little bit and and kind of try to steal some possessions. Because even with this Baylor game, Baylor the first half was I mean looked like they were gonna blow them out the water, and Kansas still was in it. So um, if, if they can shore up the defense a little bit, I think they'll be fine. But if they're not gonna play any defense. It just puts too much pressure on them offensively, defensively. Bill has to try to find these combination lineups. He has to probably even used in practice. And so it, it's going to be tough for them. This is a difficult group for him it's more than he's had in the past because he's had better offensive weapons in the past. And I don't know if he's – this team is as high as ranked that they've been and, and as good as they are, they have limitations. And they have serious limitations about creating shots. And there's no necessarily rim protection. And there's not a lot of productive depth from this team. And so they're going to have to try something, uh, Mitch and Match. And we'll we'll figure that out during these next four games, like we talked about, because Kansas State's legit. We know that. That's not going to be an easy game, even though it's at home. And then you, like we talked about those teams that play. I mean, you cannot that's – a, that's a murderer's row. Kentucky, Kansas <laughs> State, Iowa State, and Texas. Like, that. that's – like again, if if the, any team in the country would play those four games and go, if I win two out of four, that's a great stretch. Not someone coming into it having lost three. They're, they're, just, they're, they're, they're gonna be drained, man. They're, they're, after that stretch, we'll really see what this Kansas team is at, and then they'll probably just—I mean—they're they're probably gonna be fried mentally, man. That that's a lot to get up for five straight games, and you know Kansas State is licking their chops, like you know what, this is the year. <laughs> Like we coming to we get them, got them. Boys, so, yeah. And we just we just got them in our place. We know yep. we can win. And oh, yep. by the way, we might not have the best player on the court in Jalen Wilson, but we got like the next two or three best players on the court. Oh, That's where Kansas. Yeah, I like Kansas. They got Lee, the athletic, the kind of kind of got a little couple dogs over there, man. Yep. That's a fun team to watch. And there's going to be some there. confidence issues coming up too. Now, let's be honest. I mean, when you start when the ball doesn't go in. You, can you imagine what those those kids are hearing out there, what they're hearing right now, having lost three in a row? And then let's be honest, they're catching Kentucky where a month ago we would have thought that would have been a blowout, no contest yes. game. Now you catch Kentucky, they're figuring it out. It's, it's I mean, they got to be licking their chops after what happened, you know, the last year's game. So I, it, it's going to be this stretch. For, we're going to, we're gonna, I tell you what, we're going to learn a lot about Kansas over the next couple of weeks, next two weeks. We'll find a lot about Kansas team.
who you're picking in that Kansas Kentucky game? Do you, you, I mean, again, it's at Rupp. Kentucky's got some momentum right now. Kansas is trying to figure itself out. Like you said, their confidence is shaking right now. Who, who do you guys got in that one, RC? I like the lineup luck, lately that Kentucky's been playing with. Me too. You know, with Wheeler on the coming from the bench. I just think you surround a sheep way with shooters. I think now t- topping is is we can get some consistent production out of him at that four spot with the shooters that they're putting out there and they, they bench it'll change when they get to their bench a little bit, but that that's that group, that nucleus right there can stay out of foul trouble, play significant minutes. I, I think Kentucky, I like Kentucky in that one. All right. I we, like Kansas. We got only- Henson. We're going to take a little bit of a okay. break. Cause we got another, I'm going to surprise you guys again Here we go. with another big time guest. So <laughs> you know what? Be thinking on your toes. Cause when we come back, from, from Field of 68 to After Dark, you're going to hear how good Henson and RCR are coming up with questions on the fly with our next guest. You're clear. Minute and a half. All right, boys. Amando. It's pretty good. Pretty good. We got another one. I'm- Show of the year. And, and I haven't screwed up. Uh, yet, have I, Trevor? Nope. No, I got to throw you guys a chat good. question. Chat question time. Go ahead. What is North Carolina's best win so far this season? It's uh, a good question. Uh, is it like? Uh, I would have to say them handling NC State pretty well to me. Um, between those walls of the Dean Dome, we don't play by NC State, you know. So I think that's. I think that's. You know, UNC like Kentucky, they're figuring out a little bit. And I think NC State is a pretty good team. Um, so, I mean, their best today, win. Off the top of my head, I guess. Their best win would be Ohio State probably at the yeah. end of the day. That's probably going to look like their best win right now in a neutral court. That's going to be their, their best victory in terms of, like, from a resume perspective. Yeah. But but that one they've kind of pulled out of their ass at the end yeah. also. So I, I would agree with you. Their most resounding, their most resounding win was – uh, was the last one against NC State, and you know we'll see what they do at Duke in in uh, in a couple. They got weeks work here. to do. They do. How we doing? We, we are oh, good. Oh, oh. We're, we're in a little we're in a little break for Kona. How much? Ten we got seconds. Left? Ten seconds. Ten. You got ten seconds. Ten. And then then you're live. Five. You're live so, already. But so, uh, okay, because I was going to go. say that you got ten seconds. Mm-hmm. For you want to bring us back, Scott? Feel the six sure. days after dark. Yep. All right. Now, this is Field of 68 Media Network After Dark. See, that's got Drew. Yeah, we we, yeah, we yeah. got it here. We had Might a put that in the intro. Now we got Baylor head coach Scott Drew, and uh, that's a big win. Listen, you have dug yourself officially out of the hole. It was a big <laughs> hole, Scott, at 0-3. Big hole. Big hole, big hole but you, you filled it in. And yeah. now you're you, you were able to kind of pull yourself out, and now you're you're five and three. How much better do you feel when you were zero and three? How concerned were you? Yeah, I was going to move in with you, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but a um, couple couple thoughts. One is, uh, uh, I mean, two of those losses are one possession games, and I mean, <laughs> if you win those two, think how you're feeling. So it's not like you're so terrible. I mean, it's so often you win or lose, and there's such a drastic, and it's one possession. I mean, like you're 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 a great team or terrible team in one possession, really? I mean, now you're getting blown out by 20. I got you. But one possession, 
Uh, and, and that's life in the Big 12. I mean, uh, so much respect for Kansas and Coach Self. And, I mean, you look at it in the last three years, we're both the two winningest Power 5 programs in the country. Um, we've won the last two national championships. Three years ago, if it won for COVID, I think both of us were set to be number one seeds. So, I mean, we've had some great games. And when you ever beat a Kansas team, uh, you got to beat them because uh, Coach Self makes sure they don't beat themselves. Coach, how you doing, by the way, man? Good to see you. And I'm doing great after that, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so starting off, you know, the Big 12 season like you did, when that 0-3 and you got kind of younger players, maybe that have never been through that or players that haven't, what was your kind of message in practice the next day or kind of what did you do to kind of keep everybody focused and on track and, you know, try to keep the energy the right way? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, so to start with, we are the we're playing more freshmen, more minutes than anyone else in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. And it seems like I look at every roster and it's uh, eight seniors and three of them are 24, six seniors <laughs> and half of them are fifth year. Um, mm -hmm. Noel was at K-State when the school was founded. I mean, like <laughs> it's it's like a lot of old dudes and yep. um, we're playing uh, Langston, uh, Keontae and Josh a lot of minutes. And I think uh, when you lose. Nobody likes learning through adversity. You always rather learn through wins. But let's face it, if you put your hand by the stove, you don't learn the lesson. When you burn yourself, you're a lot more cautious. And I think after that 0-3 start, everybody really uh, – uh, they, they, they kept listening to the upperclassmen. The upperclassmen did even more to make sure that everybody was on the same page. The coaches, I think, did a great job in preparing them. Um, but at the end of the day, the players got to buy in, and they really, you know what, they didn't like the feeling. They knew what we had to correct, and they worked really hard to change it. Doesn't guarantee success, but gives us a much better chance, and thus uh, we won five in a row and uh, three of them on the road, which is really hard to do in the Big 12, and uh, couldn't be more proud of them. And the great thing is I actually get to sleep tonight. <laughs> Coach, I got to ask you, Randolph Childish, I got to ask you, uh, your guard play is as good as there is in the country. When you, in dealing with those guys, you only got one ball. When you put the ball in their hand, late game situations, is it, do you give it to one guy? You're giving it to who's playing the best? Like, how do you deal with that and manage that with those guys? Because you got three guys that I'm sure all three want the ball when it matters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another great question. And here's what I'll tell you. If you got selfish guys and guys that are about their stats, their numbers, they all want the ball. If you got guys that care about winning and about the team, they're going to know that each and every night's not their night and it right. might be someone else's night. And like LJ was cooking in the first half team, got him the ball. Uh, Langston got going for a second team, got the ball. Um, Adam got going like, like everybody recognizes when people are going. And then at the end of the game, let's face it, everybody's got a couple good defenders, but they got a couple ones that aren't as good. And sometimes it's matchups more than anything else. Cause if you got three great players, um, why go against another team's best defender when you can go against someone that's not as good. Scott, I was there last year when Jonathan Chamuachachua yeah. uh, blew out his knee and pretty much everything. I mean, it was a, a really bad injury uh, tonight. He went through pregame warmups. Yeah. Um, yeah. it, it was pretty cool to see when they showed it on TV. Yeah. Is there a chance? Is there a chance he comes back <laughs> this year? So first and foremost, whenever you talk about John, yeah. there's always a chance because <laughs> yeah. that guy is a living miracle. And uh, um, I, I'm just telling you that uh, uh, God's given him an unbelievable athletic uh, uh, body, but a will and a desire that's unmeasurable. I mean, like, 
that guy, like you talk about, we've all coached hard workers and great workers. I'll give a perfect example. Freddie Gillespie, Division three school, scored four points the whole year, walks on at Baylor, ends up all Big 12, ends up playing 20 games in the NBA. He worked really hard to improve. Like, so you have elite workers. We've had some really elite ones. Like John, I, I, I mean, that bar is like, I mean, the Sacramento Kings say Davion Mitchell, that's the standard. They want people that work like that. And I mean, John is just, I don't know if uh, I've ever been around a guy. Like if he doesn't work out three or four times a day, it's a bad day. I like John at some point. And then like, he's a great student. I mean, he takes care. He just doesn't, there's no nonsense. There's no wasted time. And uh, you're saying there's a chance. chance. Not not only is there a chance because it's John, but also with the work that he's put in, uh, it's put him to where, um, I mean, he's practiced and in practice, he looks good. And uh, uh, I tell you that the the irony is, you know, he's really physical and he's in practice. And he had a couple of our freshmen like, oh, snap. And John's in practice. He's back. The heads are on swivels now. Where's John? He's back. <laughs> this, this was up. Coach, also, was there – you're the definition to me of stay down till you come up. Because I remember when I was being recruited and you just – I mean, you just stayed the course. Was there a, do you remember a moment or even a game where you know what you said, you know what, we finally here. This is this is this is the time and, and we're about to seize this. Was there a moment or kind of situation where you like this is, hey, this is what I've been doing, working towards? Yeah. I think I think uh, when you've been in a place 20 years, you got so many <laughs> memories, so many great yep. players. But yep, yep. um I, I can tell you that uh, the first year we made the NCAA tournament, which was five years after everything we had gone through. And uh, uh it was actually, I think it was today. We beat Texas A&M in the longest Big 12 game ever, five overtimes. The guys loved it because the only thing left after the game open was Whataburger, so they got to eat that. So they were happy, you know. <laughs> our, our nutritionist wasn't, but yeah. but but so my, my my point was like that that game helped get us to the tournament, and that really mm-hmm. changed everything. Then 2010, you go to the Elite Eight. 28 or 2012, you're in the Elite Eight. You lose to the champs both times. And then the streak that we've been on, 23 wins in a row, 19, 21. I mean, uh, I've been so blessed to be around great coaches, um, great, great players, and I get to enjoy the ride. Speaking of great coaches, I know you got to be proud of what Jerome Tang's doing up at Kansas State. I, I mean, coming from your program, being your longtime assistant. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean for you with his success? Uh, well, you know, you know, uh, every one of our assistants, Coach Driscoll went to North Florida and took them to New Heights. Coach McCaslin's done phenomenal at Arkansas State and North Texas. Coach Mills is rolling uh, at Oral Roberts. Uh, I mean, those guys have done a great job. But Coach Tang was the last one that that came in, meaning like he'd been the longest with right. me and he came in from the beginning. So um, like when you're when it, it, it's kind of like when you date someone for 19 years versus five years or 60 or, or seven years, you're just closer to them. And I mean, like, it is so hard. Like, I'm sorry, I hit the thing, but so hard when we played each other, because I knew if we won, how he would feel. I don't know if he felt as bad as, as, as obviously I felt, but, but like, other than that, like, like literally, I mean, I get so fired up for him and I mean, uh, I, I joked at the beginning of the year when he first took the job. I said, we just got to go one and two in conference. We can figure it out. Um, but, but, oh, I didn't think he would just take number one right away like this. You know, I thought it'd take him a couple of years. <laughs> He's done a phenomenal job. Hey, Scott, did you ever wonder whether 
your coaching style of positivity would work at the highest level because old school would tell you, they would push yeah. back on you and say like, yeah. this is never going to work yeah. the way you've done it. But yeah. man, it has worked and yeah. Tang is kind of doing it now. And you're seeing more coaches, I think, go that route in the, in the new age of basketball. Well, I think, I think first of all, you have to, because what happened 30 years ago, you can't do now. I mean, we got, everyone's got a camera. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, can't be laying hands on players no more, you know? And like, so um, anyway, uh, uh, that's where you love great role models. And I mean, I looked up to Tony Dungy and I mean, the way he coached, how he did things, Tom Landry with the Cowboys, um, there are a couple of football guys right there, but uh, I know basketball, like, I mean, uh, coach Roy Williams, uh, Mark few. I mean, there's a lot of guys that uh, um, have been really successful that uh, uh, Tony Bennett, um, Brad Stevens, brothers, Brad Stevens. Um, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, a so many, more. a yeah. lot more. Yeah. Uh, hey, how we, had, you we had a positivity game? coach in Milwaukee. We had a positivity coach they hired, and we would meet with him like once every couple of weeks, and like have like these seminars. And you know, it it, it kind of puts you in that mindset. You know, it takes so many, it takes so much more to get rid of a negative thought than to you know yeah. fix a positive thought. So like that was something I learned kind of throughout my career as I got older. Because back in the day. You're right. It wasn't much positive. It wasn't much positive. <laughs> so I like it though, man. It's good. I think it's great. Hey, I'm, I'm going to let you out on this one. We were talking, I was talking to Tyler Hansborough earlier today and uh, he said he's all about pickleball right now. I said, what, what do you, in 10 years, what do you want to be doing? He said, I, I want to be a great pickleball player. Um, I didn't realize there's like 5.0, 4.0, do you know, what are you, what are you on the pickleball scale? <laughs> well, it depends what we're playing for. Cause I'd be a 3.0 if I needed to be, you know, it's like a handicap in golf, like what's on the line, right? It's convenient. <laughs> I got no shame in going low. You know, like I, I... <laughs> is, is, is few really that good by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Few, few, few is really good. He plays a lot more than, than I do. Uh, um, I got a tennis background, so it's easy, yeah. but I mean, few is, Few is is really 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 good and it, pickleball. I'm just telling you, it's a great sport. The older you get, because I mean, you hoop, you tear an ACL, you uh, um, rupture Achilles. But I mean, pickleball, you can just anyone. It's like it's like a, a ping pong on steroids. Anyone can play, and it's a great workout. And for all of us that hate cardio, um, it's a it's a great alternative. All right. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you joining us in After Dark as always. You know, every time you win, you're you're welcome on here. You know that. And tell tell your daughter Mackenzie. I hope she's doing well uh, at Baylor, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I know. If we keep doing well, you and your daughter might have to come back. That's right. Keep winning. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. You guys All take right, care. Have a great night. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks, coach. Baylor head coach Scott Drew joining us on uh, on After Dark. We got about a minute and a half left here. Biggest thing that you learned, each of you, from tonight. RC, what'd you learn? What, what, what'd you learn that it, it's, it's hard, it's hard to figure out a, uh, a call at the end of the game, a controversial call in that Duke game. You know what? I, I, I will say this. I, I don't know if how far in the hole Virginia tech has put themselves in because they buried themselves in a pretty significant hole. I think they're a dangerous team that I would not want to play come February. Now I wouldn't want to play them. And I think they're a team that you're going to look at their record and you're going to be like, 
when you look at the record, it's expected to be a win. And I, I think their season will flip now. Whether it's too late, I don't know. But I think they're a top five team when they're healthy and they had everybody, all their pieces. Hey, Henson, I know what you learned. You, you're smiling because Baycock came on and you're smiling because Duke lost tonight. Like this is a win-win for you. You know what? I'm going to follow through on that. Bring a Duke guy on, ask about his NIO money and see if he says this, he uses it for philanthropy. I bet you a hundred dollars. Damn. That, so that's what I learned today. I learned Armando Baco uses his NIO money for philanthropy. And, and, and that's, that's a good thing. I also echo the, the Virginia tech thing. I would, I would have said the same thing. Um, I watched them the whole game at UVA. They that game was a lot closer than it looked on the score sheet. Um, a couple no threes, doubt. a couple plays away. Virginia, you know, UVA played like they should at home, played well. But I think that was a game that got them going, and they're definitely a yep. dangerous team. And they're All fun. Right, to we're watch. we're, we're off after dark. We'll <laughs> see you tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us. Stick around for the afters. All right, man, good what job, a show. boys. We had some guests, man. Man, that was show. fun. Big time. Yeah, it was a good fun show. Fun yeah, Dowster, where's guests. Rob? And now we're on to the afters, boys. <laughs> we are on to the afters. Let's do it. Henson, you better have a drink tonight. I got an old-fashioned smoke I made myself. Love it, love it. All right, okay. see what do you got. I need to go get me a drink then. Come on. I, I need to go get me one. Go get one. All right, I'll go get one. Go, go get one. We'll, right, we'll, we'll wait for you. Right. We'll wait for you. Uh, we got any questions in the chat, Trevor? Yep. While RC is gone, we'll start with yep. this. Is Northwestern a tournament team? They beat Wisconsin tonight. So I think right now they're they're on the bubble. They're not on the right side of the bubble, but they got some good wins. They, they beat Indiana in Bloomington. They've beaten out Illinois and Wisconsin at home. The beauty of the Big Ten is that you got a shot, not every night, but almost every right every night right now. So, you know, Chris Collins on the hot seat. He's got two veteran guards. Adige has been good. Boo Booey was terrific tonight. Uh, I know you love that name, Henson. Boo Booey. That was my toast of the night. That's going to be my toast of the night. You don't want to give it away. Come on. Hey, you you got to hold that. Baby, you set me up for that, man. We'll just I have did, to just I run did. it back. We'll wait for RC to get back for, for, for your Boo Booey uh, yeah, toast I of the night. <laughs> but I don't think they're quite there, but I think they put themselves in position now. And to be honest, if they can finish 500 in, in the Big Ten, I do think Northwestern will get in because they're going to have enough quality wins. They've already got three, right? You agree, RC, that Northwestern is right there. They're probably they're not right there. The right they, side. They, they gave themselves yeah. a chance. Exactly. I mean, the tournament is one of those things to me. If you you can keep yourself in it early on, but you can really kill yourself early, as we talked about, like Virginia Tech right now. Some of these teams is like Florida State. Florida State is the only chance they have is winning their conference tournament right now. Virginia Tech is kind of putting themselves in difficult shot. I think Northwestern is right there. They just got to be respectable down the stretch. And I think they, like you said, the Big Ten will give enough opportunities, enough quad one wins to put themselves in. All right, what else we got, Trevor? Anything else before we do our toast, and then we'll we'll take some more questions. Oh yeah, we we got a few questions here. Okay. I uh, I've been told that I would be relieved of my duties if I don't ask Jeff this. Does Jeff enjoy washing Sean Miller's underwear? Jeez, what the hell is that one? <laughs> I don't know what that one is. Who who was that? I don't know. Harris? Harris in the chat? Some rando? Yep. All right. All right. Uh, Whatever. I don't know if I enjoy washing his underwear, but I think Sean Miller's done a pretty good job this year. So, um, you know, taking over a program that honestly 
have been 0 for 4 the last few years at Xavier, which is amazing unto itself. And he's got them now where I still believe Xavier is a Final Four contender. I'm not saying they're like the leading or one of the top five, but I think there's a chance with two dudes who can make a playoff the bounce, two veteran, talented guards. I will take Sule Boom and Kobe Jones over almost any backcourt duo in the country. So if that means I'm washing his underwear, give me it and I'll throw it in the wash, baby. <laughs> In the I'm trying country? to Google it. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm trying to Google it. I just I credit Jeff for turning that into an actual answer instead of just blowing it off. <laughs> uh, will Syracuse make the tournament? Uh, who wants to field that one? Arce, you got it, man. Uh, <laughs> I, do I think they'll make it? I, I don't. But they're starting to play basketball. If they do then Gerard needs to get more recognition for probably all conference or something else because I've watched him put that young group of guys on his yeah. back and carry those guys. So they're going to need stops. They're going to need some young guys to step up. But he's done his part. He has led them young guys, and he's dragging them along, and they're responding. So that zone always gives people fit. They'll have a chance, but but I would say more outside looking in than in the tournament. In can, the end. can I say, and I know I'm not supposed to, can I say I'm rooting for Syracuse this year to get in? Because I had lunch with Beheim last year when he came to Boston. And uh, we talked about him. He said, he said to me at that point, he's like, I'm going to come back for one more. He wants to go out with an NCAA tournament. He wants to go out with one. And I'm not sure he can get there this year. But if he does, even, even if they got there this year, I think he'd come back for another because – Again, he's got a pretty good young team. He does. The core of them that could come back and they could be better even without Gerard. But Gerard, yeah. Gerard has been really good when he's he's needed to be to get them in the mix also. And listen, the one thing is, these years we've seen it. Now, the ACC doesn't have as many opportunities as the Big Ten with Northwestern. But if, if Syracuse can pick off a Carolina, if they could pick off a Duke or a Virginia, they, they got to get – you know, at least one of those, maybe multiple wins against those teams to have a chance. I agree. We've had several people ask, is there a chance Duke misses the tournament if Whitehead is out for the rest of the year? Yes. Yes. John, they got to figure the road out, too. I mean, if they don't get these, if they don't start getting some wins on the road, it's going to get ugly. Um, you know, so they, they've got to figure it out. They've got to just start getting, yeah, they got to start winning on the road first. If they don't win on the road, they have no chance. So, We'll see what happens. It's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt him significantly because he's the guy that they were kind of counting on to keep coming. He had the highest upside of any of those dudes in terms of a guy that you just give the ball to and let him make a play. And without him, who are you? Again, Filipowski's great at his role, but you're not handing him the ball and just saying, hey, now he, he can put it on the floor a lot better than we all thought he could. But it also gets a little bit – he's out of control when he starts to do some of those things. That's not ideally what you want in your in your kind of go-to. Even tonight, I mean, look at what happened, right? Proctor ends up taking the three. Now, I guess I saw that Shire said that Filipowski threw up after he was hitting the throat. I thought I saw a, a tweet about that. So maybe they didn't give him the ball at the end because he was still dealing with some of the – the, you know, getting hit and, and what happened to him. I, I don't know, but, you know, that's not the shot that you want, but who else are you giving it to? 
he had just hit that one three to kind of tie it up. So yep. uh, it was an open shot. It wasn't a bad shot. Um, yeah, just that's where I think the team struggles because Filipowski can make shots in the post. He played well tonight. Yeah. Like John, you hit on it. I think they got it. Their only ACC road win, I think, is at BC. They're going to have to start winning games on the road and in conference play. And at some point, this young group's going to have to figure that out. Because their best player, second best player, has probably been Ryan Young. Yeah, that's not. Filipowski's been their best player. I think Ryan Young may have been their second best player right now, or important player at least. Peter yeah, wants to have a second best player. Cash I mean, out. Yeah, cash it, out. It, it, it had to be Whitehead. <laughs> For them to have a chance yes. to go deep. Yes. Yes. Peter well, wants to know if right. you guys think Villanova has a chance to make a run and put themselves back on the bubble. No, but what I do want to do, since we're talking Villanova, can we talk about we had a segment planned for tonight on our most disappointing teams, and we didn't get to it because we had Baycott on and, and Scott Drew on. Right. Um so my most disappointing team for the season, I'll start, guys, and, and I want to hear both of yours, was going to be Villanova. It was. Listen, they're Villanova. I get Justin Moore's hurt. I understand they don't have a great point guard. I'm not blaming it on Kyle Neptune. I'm saying from what I still expected because of the culture of Villanova, Villanova. they're 10 and 10. They're 89 in the net. They've lost the Temple. They, they lost three games in Portland, one to Portland. They lost at DePaul, at Butler. They barely beat Georgetown. I mean, this is not what we – I know there are other disappointing teams, and I can't wait to hear your, your guys. But I would say Villanova, I just didn't expect them to fall this far, guys. Um, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Arshie. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead. Uh, I was, you know, I was, I was looking at the polls earlier. So Kentucky was number four preseason. Yeah. Um, so obviously I had to chose my school, but I'm gonna go to Kentucky. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go down the list three spots, Kentucky, and I, I I say that only because the fashion that they were losing, they're picking it up right now. But in the fashion they were losing, how they were losing, how Cal, you know, was they were saying Cal's, you know, on the high, you know, it was just a lot going on over there. I think that was yeah. probably my most disappointing team, and. They are looking a lot better, but I would say if you look back at the beginning of the season, I mean, we thought this team was going to be in the thick of things. I'm going to go out to pack out west, go to pack 12. I, I thought Stanford was a team that I picked yep. that I said early in the year I was cheering for them, and I thought they had a chance to make it and be that 15, uh, you know, that and, and make it to the tournament. And they're on a two-game win streak. It just beat Oregon. They beat Oregon State, and that's and they're still tied for last in the in the Pac-12. So, for a team that I had high expectations yeah. for, um, they're not that right now. Sitting at two and seven. Twenty-five, one twenty-five in the net. One twenty-five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jared Haas. Yeah. You know what? This was a pivotal year for him to to go this far backward. I, I think this is it for Jared Haas. I, just, I saw I them early in the year. I had them down in Orlando, and I stood by what I said. All oh, this team got a chance to make it. They lost to Ole Miss in yes. a really good game, close game. Ole Miss had played really well, and it was early in the year, and Oklahoma ended up winning that event down there. But uh, they, they've struggled mightily, so I, it, it's tough. They, I, I was disappointed in that because, again, I thought they'd be that team and finish maybe the top four, maybe the fourth spot in the Pac-12 and make the tournament, and that's obviously not the case. Stanford's a tough spot to recruit. I remember, I don't know if they still do this, but when I was recruited by uh, Stanford, they were like, first you got to take this test. I'm like, what? 
Like, nah, I'm good. So, it's still high academic. It still has yeah. an issue. Yeah, so it's, it's tough. Uh, and, you know, Coach Hass was with me at UNC, so um, I got a soft spot for him. Uh, I oh, talked he's to him a, a great lot, guy. Actually. Yeah, Listen, and I talked to him a lot, actually. It's just a tough spot. Tough I love Jerry. Love him. It just, if you can't get it done, you got to get to the tournament there. You got to get... Listen, yeah. I understand it's a tough place to recruit because you're you're reliant, obviously, on, you know, academic dudes coming there. You got to have the right guys. Um, but they had everybody coming back, and they added Mike Jones from from Davidson. Like, to me, they, they should be better. They should be at least on the bubble right now, and instead they're towards the bottom of, of, of a league that's not, not that good. No doubt. Sure. Trevor? Jeff, coming off that conversation, several people are asking who you think has the hottest seat in college basketball right now. I mean, now. Patrick Ewing's done. He's done. Like, there, there's nobody's seat is hotter, you know, to me than Patrick Ewing. Um, you know, there there are plenty of others that I think are, are probably in, in some trouble as well. Um, you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of who, who else. You know, Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech. You think so? I do now with a new AD. I do. I, don't I, I did. Can. I did. I did. That's the only thing I thought of, and I it was with the new AD. Uh, would that change everything there, yeah. or do that? I, I I I thought they'd give him another year to say, hey, this year, this coming year, you got to figure it out. I I think it's always dangerous when you you hover at the bottom of your league right. and you got a new boss. I think that's always difficult. But um, I think I, I, I think, think he might get one more, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, he's not owed that much money, so it just depends yeah. if the if the AD wants to take one more year and, and you know. But two guys who did save their job, I think, of the ACC right now, Brad Brunell and Kevin Keats, those were two mm-hmm. that were probably on the on the hot seat going in. Uh, I think uh, they're they're in a little bit of of, of good shape. I'd add Capel to that also right now. Capel saved his job absolutely a hundred percent. I think he's in good shape. I think out in the Pac-12 again, Mark Fox is done. I think uh, you just you said know, Haas. To me, Jared Haas is in trouble. Yep. Mike Hopkins could be in trouble. That's another one. I think Bobby Hurley has saved his job, and he'll be fine. And you know, he's one that I'm I'm glad because I felt like he had it going on in Arizona State, and then the pandemic COVID. and recruiting two top twenty-five kids crushed him. Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley. Um, absolutely crushed him and uh we haven't seen we haven't heard anything from bagley have we on twitter lately no. <laughs> i i would i would honestly be surprised if someone else doesn't come in and, and snatch up bobby this offseason you know like, who should shock me yeah you know who should if it opens is st john's mm. that's who should it'd be perfect for them perfect perfect and, and the ad mike craig came from duke I don't know if, yeah. you know, he may give Mike Anderson one more because he hired him. As, you know, I've said many a time, I don't think that was the... And they still got a chance. They still got a chance to figure some things out. There. Yeah, they're fine. They're, they're just so mediocre. Yeah. And my take is, listen, if you don't go in four years, damn, Chris Mullen went one year. Like, you got to go. You got to go one in four years at St. John's. I'm not saying you got to go every year, but you got to go more than, you know, you got to go once. You got to at least... Tyler, Chris Mullins experiment. And Chris, Chris Mullins experiment. I would, I would love to be a part of that. The Chris Mullen deal? Just yeah, just to see his, you know, he's a legend in basketball wise. I know, but he didn't like, really do anything. 
No, yeah, like for sure, for sure. But like this your typical, he was your typical former NBA player turned college coach. Like if, <laughs> if there was somebody's picture in, in, in there, the poster child for that, like I remember sitting behind their bench because I'd heard about this and even seen it on TV. Do you know who Greg St. Jean is? Mm. So his dad was a, a longtime NBA coach. Greg is now in the NBA. I think he's sitting in the front row with Mavs. Mm. He was with St. John's with Mully, and he was like 25 at the time. And Mully would just sit on the scorer's table, and St. Jean would just coach the team. He'd literally run the entire huddle. And, I, like, I sat behind him at one game just because I wanted to see it with my own eyes that close. And, like, Mully literally would just be like – he'd be out there for a stroll. And, and I love Mully. I sat with him for an hour and, like, love him as a dude. But, like, dude, you can't – you, you got to work a little bit. That's my take for these NBA guys. You got to, when you take over a shitty program, a program that is in the dumps, you got to work harder than yes. everybody else. And most yes. of these guys don't work nearly as hard. Now, when you take over like Michigan, like Juwan did, listen, you, you don't have to grind it like Mullen or Patrick Ewing did to get it back. And, you know, he took over a pretty good situation with, with Beeline. That's different. But a lot of these guys, Aaron McKee, what he took over Temple. You got to outwork dudes just to get it back. That's hard. That is. I knew Mully was in trouble when he showed up at Peace Jam and nobody told him how cold that damn gym is. And he was in there with flip flops and a t shirt. I feel so bad for him. I'm just like, where's his assistance at? Somebody should have told him. It's Eskimo season when you get in Peace Jam. Do you remember Roy would have the towel he would put on his lap? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Roy had it when he recruited you, probably handsome. Yeah, but I probably met Roy. Trevor, what we got? Okay, last one. Last one before we get to toasts. You just yeah. led me into it. Somebody asked, "What do you guys think of Michigan, especially if they're without Jed Howard?" No, they're dumb. They're, in they're dumb without, without him. But I don't think Jed's going to be out that long. The problem is he may miss or be at a less than hundred percent for Thursday's game against Purdue, and that is their Super Bowl. Like they got to win. They got to win that or play him tough. And Hunter against Zach Eady is going to be a fun matchup. But without Jed Howard, how much fun is it going to be for poor Hunter? They, do they let Hunter handle him one-on-one? That's the question. Yes. Yes. Hunter got will to, not. Bro. I'm telling you, he won't want the help. Yeah. He may need night, it at bro. the end of the game, but he won't want it. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Toast of the Night. Uh, Henson, we'll start you off since you already tipped your cap to uh, – to who it was going to be. Bowie. Okay. Loved the name. He had 20 points tonight, led Northwestern to a win after, you know, seven, eight-day COVID layoff. Shout out to him. Shout out Ubu. to the name. The best name. One of the best names in college it's basketball. Gotta it's yes. got to be. It's got to be. My favorite name. This is still my favorite name ever might be. And I don't remember who he played for. Guy's name was House Guest. Oh. Wow. Elite name. House guest. I love that name. Anyway, RC. I'm going to go with Grant Basile tonight. Played well, had 24 and 8 for Vatek. Must win game. Had to win it at home to Vatek, Grant Basile. He, he was a little angry today, too, man. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what he saw or what was said to him. But. Yeah. He mixed it up and got some buckets tonight, yeah. different ways, too. I was impressed with him. Yeah, he was uh he was he was pretty good. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up here. I'm going to get my, my toast. I'm debating 
I might have to give it to two guys, but I'm going to start the first one. I'm well, the only one I'm going to give is Tariq Whitehead, uh, just for oh, health reasons. Yes. He's been through a ton, right? Yes. Preseason, he was hurt, missed the game with, with an illness in December. And now I'm just praying, man, like you're healthy, that it's not as bad as we, we think it may be. And hopefully um, you're healthy and you can return to, to the court as soon as humanly possible. So, Derek, hopefully everything's good, man. Hey, Jeff, I got to ask you guys before we get out of here. Yeah. We talked, but we didn't get to this because we had the great guest today, but coach of the year. Who are we going with? Who you got? I got to go with Jerome Tang. I, I, I don't think it's close right now. I think it's him all day long, too. Me, too. Like, how do you not? I mean, I, they were picked last in the I Big 12. I, I, I like yeah. him. I, I like him. I like Three guys that I like. He I think he he has the award hand down right now, provided yeah. they don't collapse. I, th- I love the Brad Brunel story because that was win or you're done. Yep. And to have the year yes. that they're having when it's win or you're done, you can't tell me that's not major. And he and did that got- before, RC. He went yes. to the Sweet 16, yes. win or you're done, basically. Yes. yes. And then his best player gets hurt and missed the entire offseason, preseason yes. rather, and then started the season. And to be where they are is great. Yeah, I, I, I've got Tang. I got TJ Otzelberger in there too from Iowa State. I just didn't think they'd be very good again. Um, Brad's definitely in the mix. Who do you have, Henson? Um, Tang for sure. I was reading up a little bit. We, can we, Richard Pitino? I, they were saying his name's kind of been, been bouncing around as a potential coach. They of lost candidate. tonight. They lost they tonight. Lost yeah. to Nevada tonight. Yep. In a, um, in a tough one at Nevada. I think if they had won that one. You know, they're probably going to be right on the on the fringe of getting in the NCAA tournament yeah. at the end of the day. And, yeah, and I, like- I said this to, to, to Rob one time, too. I, I think the job that Rodney Terry's done at Texas, yes. I, I don't think I don't think many pl- programs can sustain and remain in the top 10 with what happened with Texas. He's done a great job. And that so much of what he's had to do yes. is just managing people. Yes. Right. Like, like it's not even about the X's and O's because you knew they're talented enough. It's just making sure that those kids are still focused, that they need, you're, you're giving them what they need to deal with all the distractions that were caused by Chris Beard. Sure. Right. He's doing a good job. Listen, uh, thanks for joining us. Hell of a show. Uh, great job. RC John Henson, uh, Trevor. Great guest. Awesome job. We had a blast tonight. Uh, Field sure. of 68 after dark. Make sure you join us tomorrow night. Same time. Just as much fun. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.